0: Welcome into the CHGO Blackhawks podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you're also going to receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our great web content. And you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's two grand in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 or more first-time deposit at PointsBet. I'm Jay Zawaski, joined as always by Greg Boyson and Mario Terabasi. Happy Friday. We've got a lot to get to today. We're going to do our first sort of coaching scouting report with Tariq Al-Bashir from The Athletic. He covers the Washington Capitals. We'll be talking about Todd Reardon. The Alex Tabrinkit trade rumors just will not go away, so we've got to address those as well. Uh, and we've got uh, another game played in the Eastern Conference Final, but let's start the show off with our special guest today, Tariq Al-Bashir from The Athletic, covers the Washington Capitals. Tariq, thanks for taking some time out of your day to join us here on the CHGO Blackhawks podcast. Yeah,
1: well, thanks for having me, guys.
0: Appreciate it. So first question I have for you, and you know, we're sort of prepping for this, <laughs> these many interviews we're gonna be doing over the next few weeks. Before we get into what went wrong, with Todd Reardon yep. in the Washington Capitals. What was it about Todd Reardon when Barry Trotz was not able to reach a contract extension? What was it about Reardon that made him the Capitals guy?
1: Well, he had been on the bench. You know, he had been he had been there uh, for a few years under Trotz. And they remember, they were coming off a Stanley Cup championship. And it's my understanding that management, uh, Brian McClellan, the, the GM, and, and other people um, – uh, you know, high up in the decision-making process, went to locker room leadership. You know, Alex Ovechkin and the Gidney cousins and Nicholas Backstrom and John Carlson and TJ Oshie and those guys, and said, "Hey, listen, um, guys, Trump uh, isn't coming back. Um, what do you want to do here?" Uh, and and the consensus, you know, the decision was still made by McClellan, but the consensus was, "Hey, let's run it back with what we know." You know, Reardon was the X's and O's guy. Uh, everyone trusted him, everyone already knew, um, uh, was familiar with him, knew how he operated, and they just felt like they had something special. They caught lightning in a bottle late in that seventeen eighteen season, and, and why, why make a major change? And so uh, uh, Todd was a guy that had been groomed for a few years to eventually become a head coach, and all of a sudden he was now um, the guy. So
0: we know two first-round exits were the, the reason for the dismissal, um, which is understandable. Right. High expectations for the Capitals. They are a contending team with great players. Um, but aside from the early outs, what were some of the, what were some of the problematic things you saw uh, from Reardon as a head coach?
1: You know, I, I would say the number one thing is, it, it's, and I've seen this in other sports and seen it with other coaching situations where assistants were elevated to the head role. Um, and, and that is, you spend so long being the good cop that when it's time for you to be the CEO and kind of drop the hammer, guys kind of look at you like, eh, come on, Todd, what are you talking about? You, you, you're my guy. Like, like well, why, why are you writing me about that? And it's hard for guys to transition, you know, and toggle back and forth between being the good cop that they were for a few years to now being the butt kicker, right? Being the guy who has to get everyone to fall into place, and I feel like if you were asked, if you were to ask me like what the the, the number one reason for uh, uh, Reardon falling short in DC, it, it's just it, it was hard for him to make that transition. Um, uh, you know, it, it's it's very very difficult, to, uh, and I've seen it, like I said, in a number of situations, whether it's hockey, basketball. It's just hard to make that jump with the same organization now. I will say that, uh, uh, you know, let me back up. He also, I, I feel like and getting back to, getting back to, uh, you know, being good cop, I, I feel like he did struggle a little bit to handle the big personalities in that room. There's some really big personality that I think Barry Trotz um, and Peter Laviolette to a certain extent. Now um, he's got them under their thumb, under his thumb a little bit more. I, I feel like Rudin might've, struggle to handle some of those big personalities and kind of let them know, Hey, that's not acceptable. We need it to be done this way. Uh, And again, that gets back to to, to the good cop thing. But, you know, uh, one thing I will say about Todd is I do feel like he's one of those really, really smart, sharp dudes who will be better his second time around.
2: That's, that's good to hear. Hey Tariq, it's Greg. Thanks again for taking some time chatting with us. Um, You know, this would be a completely different situation for Todd if he were to come in here in Chicago. He inherited the reigning and defending Stanley Cup champs his first go-around. A lot of big personalities, a lot of big stars in that locker room. Now he would be coming here to Chicago that is looking to tear down and start over. Would that be a good fit for him considering, you know, as you just said, he's a guy that will probably do – a lot better from lessons learned the first time around. So, is he a good coach for a rebuilding team, and and why or why not?
1: I think he's very adaptable. Um, you know, he spent the majority of his career coaching veteran-laden, star-laden teams. You know, in Pittsburgh and Washington, right. So he's been around that a lot. That said, I'm not sure I've covered someone, and this is not always the best thing, but I've never covered someone who is as prepared. Um, he used these words a lot. He had a plan, the word plan. If he does become the, the Blackhawks head coach, you're going to hear that word a lot. He's got a plan for every single player on the roster. And he sits down with guys in the summertime and he goes, hey, here's the plan. Here's how I see September unfolding and October unfolding and December. We're going to get you here in January. And then in February, you're going to be here. And, you know, I, I, I think that people like getting – you know, a plan kind of broken down into bite-sized chunks. It kind of helps them along. But at the same time, when things go sideways, I feel like maybe there's a there's a little bit of a struggle to kind of, you know, kind of find your way again. But that said, I, I think that he's the kind of guy who would come in, he would analyze the roster like like every new coach coming in, but he would have a very, very detailed and well-thought-out strategy to get every player on that roster to where he wanted them to be you know, come, you know, let's say February or March. So I, I do think he's got the smarts um, and the hockey sense and the people skills to get the most out of a young roster. Uh, and, you know, going back to something I said a, a little a little while ago, um, you know, I, I was a big fan of it. I, I, I you know, I, I could see where things are starting to go wrong for him and I kind of think towards the end of that, this is not going to work out. But that said – Um, there's a lot of potential there. And I feel like he learned from his missteps from not handling the big stars with a, with an iron fist or at least being more firm with the big stars. Um, I bet his plans for the younger players are going to have a little bit more wiggle room. Um, I bet he's going to delegate better. You know, he was a little bit of a micromanager. I I bet he's, he's probably learned that you got to let, you gotta let your assistants, if they're gonna be in charge of the power play, they're in charge of the power play. You gotta let you gotta give them some rope, you gotta give them some leash. Um I I do think I just my gut tells me guys, you know, I've been doing this for a better part of two decades. He's gonna be one of those coaches who comes in his second time just with a better feel for what needs to happen. And I bet his second go around is gonna be a successful one.
3: Hey, Tariq, this is uh, Mario. Thanks again for, uh, for, for hopping on with us. Um, of course. You know, it, it, Reardon had a, a short time as, as, as head coach in, in Washington and, and obviously the roster was built up to be, you know, a, a contender following the, uh, the, the cup run. Um, but as far as, you know, the young players went and, and, and developing, that's going to be something that Chicago is really going to be focusing on. Um, when he was in Washington, what kind of steps would you say that that some of the prospects or, or young players took that um, would give maybe you know if he was the coach in Chicago would give Blackhawks fans some something to look at and say oh you know he he helped X Y Z player you know progress like w- did he have anything like that or any players that uh, that that stood out in in that time frame?
1: You know I, I feel like he helped Jacob Brana kind of find his game, um, but I, but I will tell you just. <clears throat> Getting back to what we were talking about a minute ago, they're two wholly separate situations. I mean, he was in, in win-now mode with a team that had just won the Cup, you know, a team with a bunch of 30-somethings. And so, you know, his marching order from ownership was not, that, hey, let's bring in some young players and try to develop them. I mean, it was, hey, let's do this again. Are, the window is as wide open as it's ever been let's run this back. Um, and so I almost feel like, you know, maybe some young guys got maybe not enough opportunity. I'm thinking about like a Chandler Stevenson and some others who've gone elsewhere and, and done well, but, but again, that's, that's not Todd Reardon failing with young players. That's just his marching orders were, were totally different than what he would get, um, in Chicago. I, 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 you know, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself a little bit here, guys, but I, I just, knowing how prepared he was, I mean, how, you know, he was the first guy in the building, and the last lead, I, he would have, he would be able to handle what was necessary uh, to, to get those young prospects on Chicago's roster um, up to speed and uh, develop them. I, I, again, you know, he spent a lot of his time, even though he was a head coach for two years, he spent the previous three in VC as the guy who kind of came in and after trots, you know, laid down the hammer came in and patted guys on the head and kind of said, okay, well, look, sit down with some video here and, and we'll figure this out. Um, so that people person side of him, you know, that kind of nurturing side of him uh, you know, that he was able to show as an assistant and then as an associate head coach, I think, I think that would would serve him well in a situation where he was you know, charged with you know, uh, uh, tear it down and, you know, build it from the ground up, rebuild.
0: We're talking to the Athletics' Tariq Al-Bashir, covers the Washington Capitals. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Tariq underscore El bashir Tariq, uh, you mentioned him playing sort of the good cop role under Barry Trotz and being the X's and O's guy. In-game, as an assistant, was Reardon more of a – was wasn't he's an offensive coach, a defensive coach. What was his specific duty – what were his specific duties as an assistant in-game?
1: Well, you know, he was a defenseman as a player, so he understands that role pretty well. He really was the X's and O's guy. I mean, when there was a timeout with 30 seconds to go and the goalie was coming to the bench, you know, he, at the timeout, he was the guy with the whiteboard in his hand, you know, going over the play. From an X's and O's standpoint, you know, of of course the head coach had input, but he really did kind of, uh, uh, kind of install the systems and special teams and was, was largely in charge of that stuff. So, I think, um, I, I, and again, this kind of goes back to making that jump from being an associate or an assistant to the head coach. I, I think he might find it difficult to kind of let go, you know, to kind of say, okay, you know, I, I've got two trusted assistants. I'm not sure who, who he would bring with him, but here are my two guys. You're going to run the fours. You're going to run the D and I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to be the, the tiebreaker. I'm going to set the tone, um, uh, you know, Here's how we're gonna. Here's how we're gonna do it. I, I wonder. I, am, I imagine he now knows how to do that, or has a better feel, and will have a better feel for how to do that going into his second time around. Um, I do wonder a little bit because he did have did have a little bit of a micromanager mentality. You know how he would be able to delegate, and whether he would be able to do that effectively.
2: I believe uh, Todd with Pittsburgh this past season was uh, in charge of the D that was kind of his role um, and the Penguins gave up the fifth fewest goals in the NHL this past season I don't know how many Blackhawks games you've had the quote unquote pleasure of watching <laughs> the last couple of seasons but uh, defense is optional here <laughs> on most nights to say the to say the at best but uh, if we get a guy like Reardon in here, he becomes a Blackhawks coach. You know, that time under trots, do you believe that this team will improve defensively just by having his voice in the room?
1: I, I do. I You know, I I go back and I look at, just kind of off the top of my head, there's been a few coaches here since. <laughs> um, I You know, I, I feel like they were able to maintain their standard offensively, but I feel like there might have been a little bit of slippage defensively. Um, but again, you know, personnel changes from year to year, uh, uh, but I, but, but you're right. I mean, in, in Pittsburgh, that was his forte and that's what he was a player. So I, and yes, I have, um I have the pleasure of watching, uh, the Blackhawks <laughs> in person. I, I want to say guys and I have a really bad memory. There was a Capitals game. Was it late in the season last year that was just off the hook wild towards the end?
0: You're going to have to be more specific, Tariq.
1: <laughs> I feel like I was in D.C. I, I, I remember being in United Center and talking to maybe TJ Oshie. Someone scored. I mean, just, it was a wild game with a lot of defensive breakdowns late in the game. Um, well, you just uh, described every single, all 82 Blackhawks games from last season. <laughs> but, you know, getting back to Rear, I mean, he's detail-oriented. I mean, I, I, I think... I think the one thing that, you know, a guy like like him would do is um, I don't feel like he's the kind of guy who would come in and go, this is my system and I'm going to bend everyone to my will and you're going to fit inside this box. I feel like he's more of a new school type of thinker who comes in and says, okay, here's what we've got for right now. Here's how we're going to play to those strings and then we'll slowly but surely kind of tinker and get things to where we want them to be. Um, as opposed to, you know, you, you know, a guy like, I, I wouldn't say Peter Lively left, but maybe to a certain extent, kind of coming in with, here's how I've always done it. Here's how I've done it for 15 years. And by golly, you guys are going to figure out how to do it the way I want you to do it. So um, I guess that's a long winded way of saying maybe, I mean, uh, <laughs> it, it kind of depends, I mean, really guys, I mean, one thing I've learned, you know, in, in my two decades of doing this, I mean, coaches matter. The personnel matters more. You know, I think the, the real question is, you know, can your GM get that roster to where the next coach is going to have enough pieces to execute the
0: plan? Well, that's the question. We, we honestly don't know the answer to that because we've been uh, dealing with Stan Bowman and now Kyle Davidson takes over and he's done a, a decent job with the few moves he's made. Uh, but one thing he did mention uh, when he sort of was outlining some of the details he was looking for in a new coach is a presence He wants a guy who's got a presence. And I know it might be hard to say how that would come off because of his time in Washington as being the good cop. He can't all of a sudden become this authoritarian kind of guy with guys that already know him and have relationships. But can you see him coming into a new locker room with young players and commanding the room? Because honestly, that was the issue with Jeremy Cowden is he walked in there and Taves and Kane and Keith and Seabrook looked at him like, what is this kid going to tell us about hockey? Right, And that was sort of the right. idea. Does Todd Reardon have a presence about him that, that sort of commands respect?
1: I mean, it, it's not the type of presence that Barry Trotz had or Peter Laviolette had. Um, but, like I said, going back to uh, you know what we talked about at the beginning, I feel like second time around, he's going to understand how he's got to set that tone from that first meeting. You know, when that, when that first meeting happens with the players on day one of training camp if he were to get the job I think he would set expectations and would be different than and would be perceived differently than uh, maybe he was you know coming in as a promoted guy a guy who went from associate head coach to, to the head coach um, but I will say I, I I don't I don't feel like he's got you know that bigger than life persona that maybe you know Trotz and but again that that just, that just comes from I mean you know when Trotz arrived in DC he was already one of the most winningest coaches in NHL history right he had been in, in um, uh, uh, Nashville almost since the beginning right uh, Peter Laviolette <laughs> came in with a with a Stanley Cup you know championship and another uh, another a um, uh, couple trips there right so he comes in with a different level of gravitas that I think. Uh, Reardon would. Um, but, you know, I, at the same time, I, I, I feel like if Reardon learned his lesson from that first time around, he would come in with more of a, you know, kind of um, a stronger message and maybe um, would rule of the iron fist. I keep saying that, I, and that's not really what I mean, but just um, would be more firm with guys rather than, you know, wanting to be friendly with them and kind of, you know, be that good cop. I, I, I do feel like that, you know, this next time, and he will get another shot. He will get another shot because of how smart he is and how, how well-spoken he is and how he's able to communicate, you know, what his message to, to managers and, in interviews, he's going to get another chance. Um, I just think, I think he will be better prepared when he stands in front of that group. Um, uh, day one of camping.
0: Awesome. Tariq, we appreciate your insight. Uh, We learned a lot about Todd Rear today and lots of good, lots of uh, stuff to consider. So uh, one of the many candidates we're going to be talking about in the next little bit. So thank you so much for your time. Tariq El-Bashir from The Athletic. Make sure you're following him at Tariq underscore El-Bashir. Take care. Have a great weekend, man. We appreciate your time. Thank you. You too. All right, well, that was cool. That's We learned nice. a little bit of something there, right? It's uh, yeah. I really was really interested in how, how Tariq really emphasized the attention to detail and the yeah. plan. And I, I wrote you guys <laughs> on our Zoom chat, a plan? What, what the hell? <laughs> 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 I've never heard of such a thing. Please define it. Is that allowed? <laughs> yeah, but uh, interesting. There's a lot of interesting stuff there and seems like a, a solid candidate. And Tariq, who is uh, you know very respected hockey writer, seems to think a second go-around for uh, for Todd Reardon is going to be the key for him. So interesting. Yeah, I mean,
2: that that seems to happen a lot, because, I mean, just look at a guy like uh, a guy that's in the news now, Bruce Cassidy. Um, he had a short two-year stint with the Washington Capitals, weird, and didn't do very good there, <laughs> and then came back a few years later and w- has been literally, like, the most successful coach in the NHL over the last five or six years with one team, um, and he learned a lot of lessons. Obviously, I mean, he went back to the HL for a while, but so I mean, it, it's it. There's been a lot of these guys that you know for that don't do great their first time. Second time around, they learn from their mistakes and they're a little better. Uh, of course you've got guys that just keep showing up again and again and again that don't seem to do anything but that's a whole that we can do, dedicate a whole week of shows to the, uh, <laughs> the the good old boys retread club but I don't get the sense that this would be a retread so to speak this would be uh hey this guy, did good. I mean, he he won two division championships yeah. with the
0: Capitals. 89, see, 46, you know, and 16 in his tenure with Washington. Yeah, that's, that's pretty that's good. That's really
2: good. I mean, yes, he had a Stanley Cup-winning team to work with. That makes life a little easier. But,
0: guys, winning in the playoffs is hard. Not everybody can do it. Look, uh, the, It's not easy to do. There's no better example of that than the Washington freaking Capitals. Yeah. Who've been one of the best. It took them most... forever to get to that point. And look at the San Jose Sharks. Who were great yeah. for a decade and never won one. Yeah, look right? at the Maple Leafs. It, it's not easy. Maple Leafs have been one of the
2: best teams in the in the regular season in the last five years, and they've got nothing to show for
3: it. Yep. Winning Boston. To so talk about Bruce yeah. Cassidy, Boston. You know. Yeah,
2: I mean the Carolina Hurricanes. All these teams. Uh, basically, anybody who's not the Tampa Bay Lightning is hard <laughs> to win in the playoffs. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. exactly.
3: The impression that I kind of got from from Tariq about. Uh, Todd Reardon is that it. It, it kind of sounded like to me he was kind of like Derek King coming in as 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 the head coach of the yeah. Capitals. Where you know, whereas King was coming from the AHL to take over for Colleton, you know, Reardon was was coming at in as you know the 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 nice guy assistant taking over for Barry Trotz, and it it really just kind of sounded like the way it seemed was that he just had a hard time transitioning to being, you know, the boss and rather than, you know, the assistant boss. So I, I, it, I think that there is a, a lot of validity to the, you know, second time around learning some lessons and, and, and having another opportunity to, uh, to, to make an impact like that. I, I think there's, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Um, and, and the, you know, the, the having a plan thing I think is good, but I think what we learned from Jeremy Carlton is if you over plan you can run into some issues. So it's, it's interesting to see what, you know, what the Blackhawks might see uh, in Reardon might get out of him in an interview if they do bring him in. But um, yeah, it's, it's, he's still not at the top of my list, but I, I think it's, it's, it's worth,
0: you know, worth kicking the tires as we, uh, as we love to say. Sure. I think I'm thinking about this dynamic, right. Of, of him getting the head coaching job. And you think about like any job you've had where like a peer has uh, ba, been promoted, you know. Like if someone you you work with has has gotten a a, a slight promotion, has become maybe your manager or yeah. somewhere between your big boss and your current boss, it's weird. It's a weird dynamic for everybody because this is the guy who a week ago you're out drinking beers with and having fun with and and <laughs> bitching about management with, and all of a sudden he's in that role or she's in that role, yeah. and it's it's a different relationship. But and it's hard for both parties to now i have to come down on my friend or i have to you know uh report to my friend it is a tough dynamic and i think having a friend like even if Derek king were to get a head coaching job with another organization i think it would be an easier transition for him to not have been like, hey, yeah. I was your buddy in Rockford, and now I'm, you know, to be fresh. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a sort of a different yeah. thing. So, and and
2: then walking in here, there's no Alex Ovechkin in the locker room. Like, you know, I'm gonna imagine, I'm gonna go on a limb here, and I could be completely wrong, but I'm gonna imagine that Alex Ovechkin might be a wee bit difficult to coach these days. Like, he's probably got that attitude. Like, I'm freaking Alex Ovechkin. Don't tell me how to score power play goals, and he's earned that right to think that way. Yeah. But the, there's none of these. those none of those guys. Well, I mean, yeah, he'll have some veterans here, but it's a fresh start. It's he doesn't have that previous relationship, and you know, we'll see. As, as Mario said, he's not on the like the head of my list, but you know, I would put him in. I would not be furious if this is right. the guy. From what what I've had, you know, the one the most positive thing I took out of that is when Tariq said that. He's not a guy that says, this is my system. It's got to be played this way. He's not right. going to try and force, you know, square pegs in the round holes, i.e. Jeremy Colleton, where he'll have an idea of what he wants to do, but he can he's smart enough to realize if he doesn't have the horses to run that race, he'll try and run a different race.
0: Yep. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. I, I I really enjoyed that and learned a ton. You know, we can do our own research, but until you talk to someone who's been there and has covered it, Uh, you really don't get the same amount of coverage. And we're going to keep doing that as the weeks go on here and the candidates start to roll out. And if you enjoy that, keep in mind that the best way to support CHGO is to download that PointsBet app and use the code CHGO when you sign up. Do that now, and you're going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you're going to get a free shirt. And a free, first, you're going to get a free membership to CHGO, which unlocks all of our great web content. And then you'll get the free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Getting ahead first of you myself. you get the khakis, here. then
2: you get the girls.
0: <laughs> That's two grand in free bets, a free CHGO membership, and a free shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 or more. First time deposit at PointsBet. And if you've not taken advantage of the new live NBA same game parlay, you're running out of time, quite frankly, because the finals are well underway. For the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA same game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And if you want more, you can always boost your live same game parlays. Watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. And remember, you can get your phone out right now and register from start to finish. If you're in Illinois, you don't have to go to the sports book and get on your Wi-Fi and sign up there. Everything from your phone in moments. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points. Bet, gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700 and if you want to
2: start your day with a competitive edge you should go visit our buddies over at strava cbd craft coffee because it is truly a game changer and has helped thousands of people improve their overall wellness and quality of life strava delivers delivers delicious fresh roasted specialty coffee infused with organic broad spectrum cbd the cbd from hemp doesn't make you high or hungry but it does offer some real benefits that will help you Such as feeling alert and focused without all the jitters, you're going to be able to live your day more balanced with less anxiety and fewer aches and pains. Plus, including CBD in your daily routine can even help you enjoy a more restful night of sleep so you wake up feeling your absolute best. And the best part is Strava is all about quality. They have amazing tasting fresh small batch coffee that gets shipped straight to your door plus it comes with all the benefits of concentrated full-spectrum CBD they have a variety of flavors that come in a variety of different concentration levels so if you're a beginner on the CBD you could start off slow and work your way up to the full uh, the full blast edition (laughs) Um, and they all come with a powerful entourage of effects so CHGO Looseners can also save 25% off their entire purchase when you use the promo code CHGO25 at checkout. That is 25% off your entire order at StravaCraftCoffee.com, S-T-R-A-V-A, CraftCoffee.com, just by using the promo code CHGO25 at checkout. And if you're already a big fan of Strava, you're loving the product, and you should by now, you can join the Strava Coffee Club and subscribe and save. That's where Strava puts you in total control. You'll be able to save money on all your favorite coffees, and then you tell them where you want it sent and when you want it to show up, and they take care of it from there. So no, it doesn't get any easier than signing up for the Strava Coffee Club. Go check them out again at StravaCraftCoffee.com
0: good stuff
3: so as we are uh, recording this you'll you'll probably be listening to it later this afternoon but it is uh it's it's friday it's eleven twenty eight right now um 20 minutes ago the black hawks uh on twitter put out just a innocent looking tweet happy friday hawks fans smiley face now this could be nothing <laughs>
0: They this always could, do this.
3: <laughs> this could be something. And the Blackhawks, as we've learned to to, to know on social media in the last uh, few months, few years, um, they don't do things just for engagement like that. They're, they're setting something up, is my suspicion. So if you're listening to this now, uh, you know, a, f- a few hours later, you might already know the news, if there is news. But... Um, <laughs> At uh, at ten after eleven, that tweet came out, and now I'm a little uh, I'm a little itchy. I don't know what's uh, what's going on
0: here. Yeah. Probably
2: uh, new Lollapalooza gear that they're uh, <laughs> going to put out.
0: <laughs> Maybe. They, look, they can't be doing this crap when all these rumors are out. Yeah. You got a head coaching search, you got Alex Debrinkett trade rumors, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tay's rumors. Now, I don't think they're gonna be like Happy Friday Hawks fans. Happy Friday traded Patrick Kane. No, I don't think so. But I think
2: I think they're just trolling a little bit and having some fun with all of this, and, and kudos to them
0: for being able to like they better self-indulge be. a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Wait, wait until Monday uh, for to break some news for us, please. Yeah, don't do. No, don't it's the do Friday. Uh, it's the
2: late Friday afternoon <laughs> news dump. It's Fra- the perfect Friday time to trade
0: away your Like, Come on. Yeah. Um. They, they also just to None add just to add to the conspiracy theory, uh, the Blackhawk store Instagram had a Jonathan Taves appreciation post with all the Jonathan Taves merch you can buy there. That was yesterday, so.
3: Mm. Oh, I, said- I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna say they removed a Jonathan Tay's post. I was no. like, Oh,
0: oh no! All Jonathan Tay's on Jonathan- yeah. yeah, exactly. Fifty percent off. Fifty percent off. All, all Jonathan Tay's gear.
2: Everything must go.
0: Uh, I texted because uh, Mario, as Greg was doing the Strava read, we're, we see each other on Zoom, so we can verbal. We can communicate with head nods and what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, He held up the tweet. I sent a text right away. What's up? Is something up? The Hawks sent a weird tweet to several sources. (laughs) So I'll see if I get a response uh, during the course of the show. Yeah, you Um, got to get those... uh... those feelers out there immediately well we better talk about this stuff before it actually happens yeah uh,
3: right
2: <laughs> so apparently uh, it's going down today yeah breaking it's, uh, news Blackhawks to trade everybody
0: by 3 p.m friday What? Well, it, it's Lord. just been you know yesterday's show we talked about frank Saravali having alex to bring as his number one uh you know trade target for the offseason for the entire league and it just that's won't go some- away It's something and he said it's not a matter of if the hawks trade to bring it's a matter of when and, uh, Greg, I know, I think it was you that reminded us this morning that he was the one who was so bullish on Brandon Hagel being moved. He was the one guy who was like, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Yeah. It's going to happen. Like, he just, he just knew that was going to happen. Sarah Volley and Emily Kaplan have good sources in the Blackhawks. Those are the two I've mm-hmm. noticed, uh, mm-hmm. nationally anyway, that really have the finger on the pulse of the Blackhawks. So um, when Frank says something, you've got to pay attention to it. And it's compounded by what Scott Powers Right big sources were saying as well that all
3: three of them, uh, DeBrincat, Taze and Kane, would potentially be moved. So it's or or the option of them being moved is not, you know, a, a, a far off thought. So, I don't know. I, it's you know when you when you get something for like that from Valley with the you know the the track record that he's now had a little bit with the Blackhawks with with the Hegel information, and then you have Scott Powers r- reporting that who's plugged in as anybody with the Blackhawks. I don't know it's i i I didn't have this this thought you know in in march april may but here we are 10 days into june and i'm like oh okay they're you know i know i know we talked about it weeks ago and it was just kind of a, a a thought that i had but not even not even anything behind it but they might be going complete yard sale Everything is, we're open for business, everything, and they're motivated to move everything. That's, I, what it's, am, that's what it seems like.
2: I am 100% okay with that. I have no issues with that whatsoever. If you're gonna go- Tear it off. Do it all the way. Kyle Davis. it's starting to appear that Kyle Davison wants nothing to do with anybody that was associated with he who shall not be named. He doesn't want anybody that was a buddy of his in the front office. He doesn't want any player that was drafted by him. He Nobody wants who lived to in his Kyle, house. No. Right. He was like, <laughs> if you, let me see your phone. If you have his number in your phone, get the hell out of here. Like... And I'm okay with that. If he wants this to be Kyle Davidson's team, make it Kyle Davidson's team. Whatever path he chooses, I'll support until you know down the road and be like, well, that this path sucks. Now I don't support mm-hmm. it anymore. But if he wants to tear this down, and that means trading. Listen, trading Alex DeBrinket. I love Alex DeBrinket. I think he's a fantastic player. I want them to lock him up long term. But could that but, be the news? Maybe maybe a super curveball maybe he's but telling he everybody a- one way that hey we're going to trade he's about eligible, yeah. i don't think they're eligible yeah, yet they can do it yet yep. yeah not until no. the 13th i think or is it earlier than free agency
3: but uh, i think it might be the that short period between the draft and um yeah and free agency opening
2: but i'm i'm okay with i don't want i'm not just like Brendan hagel i'm not advocating we trade alex to Brinkett. And a lot of people I'm seeing on Twitter who are against it saying, well, Alex DeBrinkett is really good right now. This is true. He is really good right now. And you are trading him for unknowns for guys that might be good. Uh guys who are, you know, probably gonna be really good. So being good right now doesn't mean jack shit for the Blackhawks. It doesn't. Well, like well, forty and, goals and next season doesn't do anything for this franchise.
3: What did it do this season?
2: Nothing. Exactly. Right. So scoring 90 goals over the next two years does nothing for this championship big pick for this team ch- uh, big picture it doesn't do anything in fact it might actually be counterproductive to what Ky- uh, kyle davidson really wants to achieve so mm-hmm. if it's going to tear it down we've mentioned it a hundred times the 2023 draft has three guys at the top of that draft class that are franchise-altering type talents. Not maybes like this year where you're like, Shane Wright could be a really, really good player or he could be a second-line center. No. Uh, Mitchkov and Bedard and Fatelli are great players. These are like three guys. This is like going back to like the McDavid-Eichel uh, draft, except now there's three of them. Um, so you don't have to get the number one pick in, in 2023 to land the best player of the draft. You can still get that number three pick and still get a, a, a guy that might be better than Alex to is right now, five years down the road. And that's what you're looking for. I don't care how good the Blackhawks are next year, the year after the year after that, I care about how good they are in 25, you know, 2024, 2025 and beyond. And you know, if 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 trading Alex DeBrincat gets you closer to a really good team in four years, I will sacrifice the next couple of seasons that are supposed to be sacrificed anyway.
3: So. They have to be blown away by a, a DeBrincat deal to yeah, make it work. Too. don't trade them just so, to trade them. Yeah, so it's not like it's not like we're saying like oh trade Alex DeBrincat just f- to New Jersey for example just for the number two pick. No, it would be the number two pick and much much more.
0: Yeah. Yeah, The only concern I have, and this is not even to brink it specific, but burn it down specific. Who's going to play? Because you don't have enough NHL bodies right now. And yeah, you can trade Alex DeBrink and go sign Joe Schmell off the street to be a veteran free agent on a short-term deal and yada 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 and fill the roster, but they've got to do that. That like I've got to see that happen. Like you just cannot have the Rockford IceHogs play in Chicago next right. year. That no, is not no. going to help anyone in any way, no. shape, or form. It's going to be detrimental. So this is where I'm at. It's like okay, you know, so is Kirby Dock still in your plans? He's inexpensive, right? This new deal of his is not going to be what Alex DeBrinkets will be, but. You know, you start going like person to person to person. Like, who is still in the in the fold here? Mm -hmm. Who's still in the plans? And and I look at Alex DeBrinket and I see a guy who, you know, uh, three four years from now is still going to be a really effective player. Probably five years from now. Probably six years from now. I look at him and I look at Patrick Kane. Their trajectory as players is very similar. You know, I, I will say DeBrinket is a little more involved physically than Kane yeah. is or ever was so that might eventually take a, a little bit of a toll on his game
3: especially since he's smaller than him.
0: Yeah, but I I just I don't know. I look, if they if they burn it down, I I'm not going to be upset. I get it and I understand if you're going to trade Alex to Brinkett, it, you're going to accelerate this rebuild significantly. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get two or three pieces that you weren't going to have before. Uh, one or two of which of those pieces could be as good or better than Alex DeBrinkett. So I'm not just saying they're not trading him for scraps. They're not trading him for lottery tickets. Right. They're, they're trading not him for unloading his contract. Yeah, they're three, trading they're him two. for big, big, big assets like early first round picks and multiple high end prospects. Like it's not just going to be like, oh, let's see what happens. Right? Yeah. No, they're not trading him
2: for the 30th overall pick.
0: Exactly. Right.
2: They're going to like, and the Devils are the team that everybody's talking about because. There's been a lot of speculation that they want to trade that number two pick because they feel that they're, you know, they were some bad injury luck last year that they're they're ready to compete. Jack Hughes has taken that next step. They've got some nice players. Uh, getting a goal scoring winger for Jack Hughes yeah. is is a top priority. And what's Alex to bring get? He's a goal scoring winger. Put those two guys
0: together, and you got something there. And, and that's the kind of team for me that it makes sense for like oh, new yeah. jersey detroit teams that are like on the rise that might need that extra piece to get over the hump that makes a ton of sense and when you look at that number two overall pick this year yes this draft is not anything close to what next year's draft is going to be but you're still going to get a really solid player or two and don't forget rye Slapkovsky, good god put you're, him in a hawks uniform and you're you're almost certainly going to get one of the devil's top prospects that you know is going to be a good NHL player. It's not going to mm-hmm. be a Radish or Kachuk like, oh, no. maybe. You, you know, we'll you see start what at happens. Al- you start at It'll- Alex Holtz and go from there.
2: Yeah. That's their top or- prospect. But- Mercer. Dawson yeah. Mercer, who played in the NHL essentially, also. He's a guy that, boom, right on your roster. Who's going to play next year? Dawson Mercer is going to play. He played all season for the Devils this year and was really good. Kind of like an Alex Debrinkit type player. Not as much of a goal scorer, but that scrappy guy. Fans will love him here in Chicago. You start at Alexander Holtz. If they say no, they've got other pieces. They've got Nolan Foote, who's who's only 21 and a really good player, uh, son of Adam Foote. Of of Colorado Avalanche fame.
3: Yes, for for Brat as well. Yes, for Brat. Tyce Thompson is
2: is another young forward. Uh, He had some surgery this year on his shoulder that that kind of slowed him down a bit. But he's another one of their top prospects. Uh, He's a He's a, a guy that can play center and the wing and can move up and down the lineup, a, a playmaker and a goal scorer. So there's options yeah. there. But you start at Alexander Holtz. So just hypothetically, you get the number two overall pick this year, and Alexander Holtz, who can be who can play in the NHL from day one, starting, you know, this season, you get the number over two overall pick that could be Shane Wright or Slapkowski or Logan Cooley, and then maybe you 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 give him one of the second round picks this year, and you get a couple more other picks i mean right there and then your team's bad enough to get one of those top three so if you tell me i can get hypothetically alexander holtz yuras lepkovsky and conor bedard for alex to yes make that trade every single time yes all three of those guys are still unknown and they may not be good but the chances of those guys being good as opposed to being busts are pretty good and then you got three guys that could be 30 to 40 goal scorers instead of just one guy. That's how you rebuild a franchise.
0: Yeah. It's, it's important to remind people, too, that like Kirby Doc was not by any means a consensus number three. Um, he was overdrafted, so don't let that spook you. The fact that Sam Bowman had to be the, sorry, he who shall not be named had to be the smartest guy in the room again and overdraft someone again, Hi, Nolan Allen, who no one had in the first round at all and we don't even talk about, even though he was the first-round pick last year. Have we mentioned Nolan Allen's name on this podcast at all this year? Once,
3: I think, once.
0: Seriously, like he was the first-round pick last year and we don't even talk about him. And maybe he'll end up being a player, but like that just shows you you can't judge draft value by what Stan Bowman has done with draft picks. Because look, Boquist turned out he's pretty good and his arrow's pointed up, but you know he was overdrafted. Doc was overdrafted. So many of these guys that 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 Bowman took were overdrafts, Doc included. Doc was like six, seven, eight, not. Maybe even,
3: maybe even lower than that. Right. Well, and, and two, like we, we all really like Lucas Reichel and think that there's a, you know, a bright future for him in the NHL. Um, is he going to be, you know, the slam dunk superstar of the Blackhawks moving forward? Probably not, but he can be a pretty good complimentary piece. Even he, when he was taken 17th overall was like, uh, he might've got him a little bit, you know, he might've been a little bit, uh, of a late first round pick and he got him right in the, right in the middle of it. Um, so even then, it's just like Lucas Reichel might have been stretched a little bit. So, yeah. It, yeah, I think when you when you go into you know this draft and and next year's draft, it'll be very interesting to see what the, you know, reported uh, or, or presumed scouting changes will uh, will will amount to the way that the Blackhawks have kind of laid out. Oh, we're going to kind of approach things differently. Um, what what that all amount to and what Kyle Davidson values in, in the draft will be interesting to see how it, how it plays out. And I think, you know, as, as many darts that you can throw at, at first round, second round, third round picks as possible, that that's just what you need in a rebuild.
2: And, and Kyle Davidson has definitely given me the impression that he is a guy that doesn't want to do it all himself. He's going to listen to the voices in the room. He's going to, he's hiring people to put in jobs that he trusts to make his job easier He's not going to be the guy that has his scouting staff to say, take this guy, only to go, nope, I like this guy, I need to prove that I'm the smartest guy here, so I'm going to reach for this guy at this spot. uh, Davidson really, I feel like he's going to be the guy that takes the best player available based on what his scouts are telling him. Um, he, that will, that remains to be seen, but at least that's the impression I get, which is a very refreshing change to what we've had to
0: deal with for the last decade. plus. Plus two things I really like about Davidson is he is not in love with the dynasty <laughs> that clearly just doesn't care. Like, great. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for your service. Now you're old and not as good. So bye. Right. Yeah. I like that. Seems, seems that way. And yeah. he's not afraid to make an unpopular move right like he, what you got to be able to do you have to you that is what it's going to take to mm-hmm. if you keep you know middling this thing you're going to stay in the middle you're not mm-hmm. going to grow and it's going to suck and we have warned you guys and we're going right. to continue to warn you that the very first part of this rebuild is going to be painful you hey, are I going
3: to your- if you haven't signed your, your your pain waiver yet, make sure you sign that and hand it in before this season. Otherwise, you are uh, yes. you're liable to uh, stock, to the pain. Stock
2: yourself with whatever you need to to drown your sour the uh, sour sour. All right. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't skip that word. Was not happening for whatever sorrows. John That's your sorrows? the one. Yeah. Um, whether it Maybe be so- a bunch of chocolate chip cookies or a handle of really strong booze or both have your pantry stocked with it or both dip your cookies into your whiskey. I, I've been there before. <laughs> um, so whatever you need to get through really bad hockey, go get the Costco sized barrel of it for n- the next couple of seasons. But that's okay. As long as there's a plan that you know, you're not just bad because you, you know, you're, your ownership your leadership has no clue what they're doing <clears throat> buffalo arizona like those those teams seem directionless if you have a direction and this is building towards think of it as like those like 2011 2012 cubs teams if you're a baseball fan they were terrible but you knew that it was for a reason and last time i checked that turned out pretty well at least for one year and that's what they're that's what they're going for here so embrace the pain For a couple of seasons, as long as there's progression, as long as all of a sudden this this bare cupboard that we've had of prospects for the last five, six years all of a sudden starts producing real, legit, dynamic NHL players, then bring it on. Yeah. But as you said, being one of these borderline playoff teams every year, like, oh, great, we got the eighth seed for the third straight years and got bounced in five games. That, that sucks even worse than being the worst team in the league for three years and then being good for ten years.
0: Let me ask you this, and we are qualifying this. We all are very excited about the future of Lucas Reichel. If Lucas Reichel was a prospect on another team, would we consider him an elite prospect? well depends it depends on,
3: team. depends on the team i'm just but, saying but, overall I, but, like
0: like what like what is the like what I, is the ceiling think, for for him is he is does any even if he if he maxes out is he a franchise player i don't no, i don't know i don't think so i think if I he maxes so. out you're looking at like alex to bring it light right i think
3: if he if he maxes out i would say you're looking at a, a guy who could be on a good team a solid number 2 center and on a bad team he's probably your Maybe your top option, but again, bad teams have, you know, pl- players that are over projected in their lineups. If, if, if Lucas Reichel when it's all said and done and he has like a, a career as like a second line center and has, has, has his flashes and his moments and it's just reliable. If that's his ceiling and he reaches it with, with Chicago, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. And I think that that's, I think that that it, it I look at him as, like, a building block and not necessarily, like, the end-all be-all. Even though, and like we said, a f- he was a first-round pick and those are always looked at as, like, oh, first-round pick. But sometimes, first-round picks, like, look look at, like, Alexis Lafreniere. First overall pick and he's still kind of figuring, he's still figuring it out, obviously. He's, only, he's still young. But he's, like, third-line player on the Rangers and, like, really making it work. And sometimes that's just how players will 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 pan out and eventually get to their to their ceilings. With Reichel, mm-hmm. I just I just look at it as this, like if he's a middle six and then gets to his ceiling as like a number a solid number two guy with Chicago and they figure out who their number one's gonna be one way or another, I'm fine with that.
2: Yeah, Reichel's the type of guy I think that you can probably say this about just about anybody except your elite superstars, is going to be better when he's surrounded by better players. I don't think he's a guy Mm -hmm. that – he's not the foundation guy. Building block is a good – Good uh, description. He's not the guy you you build around. He's a guy you build with. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take him and you add him to superstar players, and he's going to be a really good player. If he's your main guy, he's the guy you're building this franchise around. You're probably going to have a problem. So he's more of like a, an accessory than like the, the the centerpiece of of whatever
0: we're building here. I'm trying to think of a of a of a comp like statistically. Uh, Brad Richards, like is uh, that well, even kinda...
3: Brad, even Brad Richards. You he saying had... Brad Richards when he was with Chicago or no? Or... I, I,
0: he had Brad Richards had two huge seasons of ninety-one points once in Tampa, once in Dallas. But the rest of his career, sixties and seventies in terms of points, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. that to me was he, in a lead-two center.
3: Yeah, yeah, but he even even he at at times was the go-to guy, and yeah. I, I don't know if I ever see Reichel on a good team being the go-to guy i'm not saying he plays like dave boland but i look at him as like if 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 reichel max is out he'd play a role like dave boland where he's he's the number two guy and and you can rely on him
2: here's 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 i'll make the comp here and i may be stretching i'm not saying he's gonna be the same type of player but he's gonna be the same t- he if he maxes i think his ceiling and if he hits this i'll be super happy Is like a patrick sharp not the star but your reliable second wave of goalie like Patrick Sharp was a really good player but he was never the superstar here he didn't have right. to be um so he may have he's been the best second... looking but he was never the superstar <laughs> the, well there's no doubt about that um, <laughs> so like you know and Reichel is a handsome young man too so he could he could fill that role as well but that's the type of player i see i'm not just saying he's going to be that like dominant goal scorer that sharp was but sharp was that guy that gave you, you know, twenty-five to thirty goals, sixty to seventy points? If Lucas Reichel can do that, nobody ever thought Patrick Sharp was the best player on the Blackhawks, because he wasn't, and he didn't have to be. So maybe that's if everything goes right for Lucas Reichel and he becomes a Patrick Sharp type role, your second second wave of scoring. Then then that's a successful pick and successful development.
0: So that's a long way of saying. That the Blackhawks currently do not have a top end of lead prospect. No, no, they don't. No, at all. No, uh, and I don't. Like, and I don't think that that's. Then, I don't they, think that that's a shock. No, I know. I'm yeah. just. I'm just. I'm just. Yeah. Like, that it's my point being to to and Hawks that's fans. That's why is you like, got to
2: trade. That's why trading an Alex DeBrinket to get three or four of those guys makes a, all the sense in the world. Because would you, you? You don't get those guys in one draft.
0: Let's say Reichel is is a, is a is devil property, right? Is number mm-hmm. two in Reichel enough for DeBrinket for you? No. No. So you no. got, you're going to get a because, prospect better than Reichel, and the yeah. number two overall pick yeah. for To That I, is something you certainly have to consider. I've
3: mm-hmm. been so I've been working on a on a on an article that'll go up on allchgo.com um, shortly uh, today, maybe tomorrow, about this topic of trading. You know, Alex Brinket and everything. And I you know I mentioned the, the the farm system in Chicago, and in the hypothetical of trading with the Devils and getting a Holtz or a Mercer. They're they're immediately the top prospect in the system. Like yeah. like Lucas Reichel is is leapfroggable. Like it's it's th- if the Blackhawks make that trade, and they bring in a Mercer or a Holtz, and even if they bring in the number two pick as well, those that number two pick and Mercer or Holtz or whoever probably is likely one and two in the system, yes. and then Reichel is mm-hmm. three. And and that's and i'm and that and you have to be okay with that and, and i think that, that you
2: need to do that because if lucas reichel is your and that's not a shot at lucas reichel i am a big fan of him if lucas reichel is your best nhl prospect your prospect pool sucks
3: right you need, and i think
2: you need better prospects than lucas reichel if this is going to work
3: yeah and and i think within the within the blackhawks realm everyone likes lucas reichel and and you know wants him to, to be successful but you're looking at it outside of outside of the Blackhawks realm, you know, when when they I think it's the athletic that does a lot of like farm system rankings. You know, he's he's in the middle of the pack. He You know, when they do like top 100 under 21 or whatever, he's like in the 50s and 60s. So he's yeah. even outside of the organization. He's not looked at as top tier elite, you know, number one guy.
0: Yep. He's just not. Yeah, that, and that's the reality. And you're starting a rebuild with nothing in the cupboard. Yeah. And and that's why, like, when we warn you that it's going to suck and it's going to be painful, the hope is that in making those sucky and painful moves, you are able to get this team back to where you're happy and thrilled to be a Hawks fan again and mm-hmm. celebrating and singing Chelsea Deck or whatever song it might be at that point in time. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it gets you back to that point more quickly because, again just trying to make keep it as painless as possible is not going to work. It's just going to be
3: more more painful in the long run. Exactly right. It's just delaying the inevitable. And Greg to your point where you brought up, you know, the the, the Cubs of of the early 2010s, you know, you it was it was bad, but you could see where the future was going. You could see yeah. what was coming. And well, I I feel like if by if by the trade at the end of the trade deadline next season, if I can see where the future is headed, like if I can look at players on the roster or players in the system and say they're part of the future, they're part of the future, they're part of the future, which you kind of really can't do a ton of right now. If I could do that by the end of the trade deadline next season, I'm gonna be very, very happy.
0: Who do we know right now is part of the future?
3: Is it I know you is, can't see it, but my hands are in the air. Is it I, I don't know.
0: Right, is it Reichel only? Rigo? Maybe, maybe one of the it's, defensemen and, and Seth Jones, <laughs>
3: because, right by
0: design. Yeah.
2: Like, maybe may Ian Mitchell, maybe I don't
3: know. the The best you can do is like I have a decent idea that maybe Lucas Reichel is part of it. That's it. That's the mm-hmm. best you can do because Kirby Doc is not a lock. Reichel's not a lock. Ian Mitchell, maybe not a lock. Uh, Vlasic, maybe not a lock. There's,
0: there's no, there's no one. There's no one that's a yeah. lock for the future. Nope. Absolutely not. And uh, that's a tough place to be for rebuilding GM. So you can see why Kyle Davidson is like, I'm open. This is the, Give me this a call. This is why
2: the Alex DeBrinkert rumors are out there because the more you think about it, the more it makes absolutely perfect sense. To it makes make it a ton happen. of sense and mm-hmm. it sucks and I hate it's it. It's going to suck. <laughs> but <Yeah>. sometimes it's <laughs> the right, probably the right it's, move. It's, it's pro- <laughs> not probably. I think it is absolutely the best thing to do if you're going to do this the right way. The yeah. right
3: move is not always the easiest move. No, nope. that's correct. That's right. It rarely but, uh, is to 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 help your body recover from some of the uh, aches and pains of <laughs> Alex the, the rebuild rumor. to steal yourself. <laughs> <laughs> of what the e- what the rebuild might be, uh, you you could get yourself some uh, some products like Owen O W Y N stands for only what you need. It is a one hundred percent plant based protein shake that gives you nutrition that works just as hard as you do. All of their products are free of artificial ingredients. Uh, they are allergen friendly with no gluten or dairy easily digestible so if you're looking to uh, get back into working out or looking to maximize your already uh, rigorous working out schedule uh, get yourself some owen for some natural uh, plant-based protein Uh, you may have heard about owen before from chicago bears quarterback justin fields as he follows a plant-based diet Uh, and owen and chgo are partnering up in giving you an awesome offer you can get 20% Twenty percent off of your first purchase at liveowen.com with the code CHGO20. Uh, I know I'm, I've picked up some Owen. I've given it uh, given it a go. It is not bad, not bad. If you are uh, if you are into the uh, you know if you if you're dealing with aller- allergies, uh, food allergies, or anything like that, or if you're looking to just stay in a you know, I try and cut down gluten and dairy as much as possible. Uh, so Owen is, uh, is is a good product for myself. So uh, you can join. Justin Fields and myself, both pitchers <laughs> of perfect health, uh, <laughs> and try Owen. Again,
0: Owen's O-W-Y-N, only what you need. Did you guys see Justin Fields hitting uh, home runs at Wrigley Field yesterday? Yeah, yes. because he drinks
2: Owen, yes. that's why. Yeah. Him he and exactly. him at, if he didn't drink Owen that day,
0: to the warning track if, home.
3: If you if you look really close in, in the video, he's got one of those cartons of Owen in his back <laughs> pocket. So he, bam, ding you right after drinking. He puts it
0: right on his batting gloves and <laughs> yeah. uses it as pine tar. That's, that's, that's what Owen does for you. All right, well, this has been a fun week. Um, I, th- I feel like the next few weeks might not be as fun for Hawks fans as it, it feels I gotta like. I got to check their
3: Twitter. I haven't looked yet.
0: <laughs> Seriously, I'm checking my but phone. At least constantly. we're going to
2: have a lot to talk about. That is the blessing of covering a, a, a rebuilding team. We are going to have
0: tons of storylines during a time of the year where there shouldn't be as many storylines. It's great. We're going to continue our uh, coaching profiles next week. We'll talk about Luke Richardson and all the other names. Brad Shaw's another one on the list. Uh, Remember, Monday is Mailbag Monday. Send us your questions on Twitter at CHGO underscore Blackhawks or write any of the three of us, Greg, Mario, or I. Uh, You can also send an email to blackhawks at allchgo.com and we'll get your questions answered. I got a great question today that we're going to get to on Mailbag Monday. Looking forward to that. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Want to remind everybody we are presented by PointsBet. Use that promo code CHGO. When you sign up and you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000 from my partners, Greg Boyson and Mario Tirabasi. I am Jay Zawaski. Thanks to Tariq El-Bashir for joining us on the show today. Again, make sure you're following him at Tariq underscore El-Bashir for all the great Washington Capitals content you will ever need. This has been the CHGO Blackhawks podcast.